Each week we take you around Austin, the Athletics Department, sometimes Clarksville, and occasionally the OVC to give you the full scope of what's unfolding around us. I am Colby Wilson, he is Dylan Schwartz, and the academic year is drawing ever closer to its conclusion, and I know this because student-athletes are sending me their LinkedIn requests. Dylan, how are you doing? I'm good. How about yourself? Doing okay. So for two weeks now, we've teased this Division One athletic team nicknames thing that we kept forgetting to do. So let's just get that out of the way early. What did you find as some superior D1 team nicknames? Well, I've said for the past couple of weeks the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers is going to be, no matter what, my undeniable top pick. I, I, that's my top pick. But some honorable mentions for me, the Southern Utah Thunderbirds and the Stephen F. Austin Lumberjacks, you know, mainly because every time I hear the, the word Lumberjacks, I think about the dodgeball scene with the Lumberjacks. Those are pretty good. Uh, I'm also very partial to the Western Illinois Leathernecks. And Cal State Long Beach, baseball only has one that I think is pretty good, the Dirtbags. So it's just the baseball team? Just the baseball team is known as the Cal State Long Beach Dirtbags. I'm sure if we had D2 or D3, that'd be some You know, some it's fun one. you bring that up because I actually looked for some D2, D3, just basically some non-D1s. I found some really, really good stuff. The Abington Little Johns. Yeah! I don't know what that is. I don't either. The Whittier Poets in Whittier, California, or Whittier, I'm not sure how it is. The Waycross Swamp Foxes. The UC Santa Cruz Banana Slugs. Banana Slugs. And possibly oh my. my favorite, the Scottsdale Community College Fighting Artichokes. Artichokes. Artichokes, yep, exactly. I'm I'm going to get online right after we conclude this and get me a fighting artichokes hat. I got to I got to have some fighting artichokes swag somewhere. Okay, now that we've delivered that which was promised and probably in an underwhelming fashion, uh what else do we have to talk about before we get into other Austin P related things. Well, if you're not a Game of Thrones fan, I suggest skipping the next yeah, minute you, or so. Yeah, hit hit uh, fast forward a couple times and get back to the f- sports stuff. But uh, we're both Game of Thrones fans. Two episodes into the season or the back half of the season, I don't know how people are describing it anymore. We have no real deaths unless you count the the small child sacrifice by the White Walkers in at the end of episode one so we gotta we gotta start narrowing down people yeah. on this show so with the battle of winterfell coming this weekend who do you have as not getting out of the battle of winterfell i think after this episode gray worm will be dead unfortunately and, and a lot of characters i'm about to say i really like yeah um tormund 
dead. Yeah, he's dead. Uh, he's dead. he's gone. He's gonna have a really yeah. good death too. Yeah. Like he's gonna he's gonna like get stabbed four times and have like this three and a half minute scene where he just spills everything yeah. to Brianna's Tarth, and it's gonna be. I'm I'm gonna be sad because I like Torment. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people are already condemning Varice because I uh, people have said that the the Red Priestess Melisandre I think was her name, um, kind of like said he would die in a in a kind of foreign land or whatever, and it seems like it's going that way. But somehow I think Varice is actually going to make it out at least for this battle. Yeah. Um, if I'm just you know spout, uh, if I'm just spouting out of who's just going to die before the end of the season, then I do think Daenerys Targaryen is not making it. Really. The whole season, and I think that was. I I both had I had John and Daenerys both living throughout the whole like build up. Then I've lost the first couple episodes, and now I'm thinking, I'm not gonna kill John again. And I yeah. I, don't think, I don't think both of them are gonna be able to live. Like that's just my opinion. I think, and I'm probably way off base with this, just based on Game of Thrones lore. However, I think because John is actually Targaryen, and he is actually able to ride and somewhat tame dragons and since he is actually the dragon that was promised or the dragon of folklore or whatever however you describe that the lost Targaryen he's going to somehow get those two dragons to turn on Daenerys that is a bit, that, that's, that's, I've never that's heard that out one there. Yeah, I that's heard that out one there. there but I I think that would be fun yeah, it, I think it'd be a fun twist where uh, a guy turns two dragons on to the the only thing they've ever known as a mother, and they uh, eat or turn her into a big ball of fire. That'll be fun. That'll be a good time. Real crowd pleaser. Um, so getting back to what you're here for, uh, the sportage, um, looking back at last week, the Governor Men's Golf Program has a lot to hang its hat on after its first top five team finish since 2015 at the OVC Men's Golf Championships. Sophomore Chase Cordy put up three under 69s in the first and third rounds to earn a top five finish in Austin Peay's first individual all-tournament honor since 2015 and on his 21st birthday, no less. Mazel tov to young Chase. After 39 holes, thanks to bogeys on two of his first three holes in the final round, Cordy was at even par. Then he caught absolute fire, shooting five under for the final 15 holes of the tournament. Juniors Austin Lancaster and Michael Bussey both earned top 10 finishes and will lead a team scheduled to lose nobody from its OVC championship lineup heading into the 2019-2020 season. And as we talked about Game of Thrones um, just now, the beach volleyball team had uh, had their wash come to a come to a close, as Colby said multiple times throughout <laughs> the year. But um, it, they had a couple uh, tough games in the sand uh, in their inaugural foray into the A-Sun Volleyball Championships. Uh, the first match, they went up against Coastal Carolina. Um, Dylan's beloved Chanticleers. Yeah, beloved Chanticleers. Um, friends of the pod, uh, Ginny Garrig and Chloe uh, Stitt, forced a third set against the Eagles in the opening match. Or, sorry, the Chanticleers in the opening match. But that was about all that went well for the Govs and you know it, it, it's it's hard when you're uh, still a budding program going against some programs that have been playing beach volleyball for decades now um, they went up against Florida Gulf Coast um, the day after in instance of the double elimination tournament the impending weather shortened the match against the Eagles so they played to clinch not to finish meaning the number two and number four pairings didn't get a chance to take the court um, 
the top pair, Jenna Panning and Haley Turner, forced the second set all the way out to 26 points, but it eventually fell um, in, in two sets, and that was about that all went well for the Govs, unfortunately. Inclement weather once again forced alterations to the Austin Baseball weekend schedule with the Governors playing a twin bill on Saturday and an Easter Sunday matinee at UT Martin. In game one, the Skyhawks actually managed to get to Jacques Pichu, who had been practically untouchable all season, though a couple of errors extended innings made the damage look worse than probably was. Game two was off to a slow start at the plate for the Governors, and Austin P entered the seventh inning trailing 4-1. to one. Parker Phillips led off the Austin P seventh with a homer, and before Martin was able to record an out, a two-run Matt Jocelyn single tied it up. Malcolm Tipler singled to score Jocelyn, and friends of the pod Greg LeBan and Brett Newberg shut down the Skyhawks over the final three innings to earn the split. In the finale, the bats didn't just come alive. Austin P's 22 runs were its most since 2014 in a 22-11 drubbing of the Skyhawks to take the series. Jocelyn drove in seven runs. Parker Phillips and Andrew Flaherty each knocked in six. That trio combined to drive in 19 of Austin P's 22 runs scored in the finale. Eight of Austin P's nine starters recorded multiple hits. Aaron Campbell scored five runs by himself, one short of equaling a single-game program record set back in the 1950s. Stepping out of conference play, there would unfortunately be no late-game non-conference heroics this week, just a humdrum 7-1 loss at Middle Tennessee. Bobby Head homered. Garrett Spain picked up a couple of hits, but otherwise not much went the Govs' way in Murfreesboro, although got to be very encouraged by what we've seen from Bobby Head of late. He's raised his average over 90 points since March 23rd. For the softball team, once again, weather playing a bad part in altering their schedule, um, and it forced the Govs into a rarely seen midweek doubleheader on the road, especially a conference midweek doubleheader on the road, as they went to Cookville to take on Tennessee Tech, and it did not phase Cassie Stanfield's players who crushed the Golden Eagles in a doubleheader, sweeped the tune of a 10-0 win in Game 1, and then an 8-1 win in Game 2. Uh, in a bit of a reversal, uh, Kelsey Gross started Game 1, tossed a complete game, two-hit shutout, so he didn't really... Whoever's pitching, I guess, game one, it's it's still the same production. Yeah, you know, it, so it, it's, there's something about yeah. starting game one. We're just we're just going to win, and it's probably going to yeah. be in a shutout. Morgan Wackel didn't start game one, and what is, you know, no surprises there. If you throw a complete game, two-hit shutout, I think you'll be just fine. Um, it also helped the Cubs pound out 12 hits and 10 runs uh, in game one. Gross also helped their own cause with a pair of hits, while uh, Casey Akery and Danielle Learman both had three hits, including a homer for Learman. Rackle was back in the circle to start game two as she went the distance as well with 10 strikeouts. And, you know, just for fun, she knocked a home run over the um, over the stands as well. And to help herself as the Govs moved to 25-18 and 18 overall on the season. Uh, they also played a midweek against Lipscomb on Tuesday. Day. Uh, unfortunately, it, they lost 1-0. It was a, just an old-fashioned pitcher's duel that sometimes you just find yourself uh, on the wrong side of. It, it happens sometimes when both pitchers are dealing, and you know, sometimes one or two runs can decide a game. And Rackle's almost always dealing, so if she gets somebody similar to her in the opposite circle, it's, it's tough for the Govs. On the track, Sabrina Richmond made a triumphant return home to Atlanta for the Georgia Tech Invitational, posting runner-up honors in the 400-meter dash and a fifth-place spot in the 200-meter thanks to a season-best 24.55 mark for the sophomore. Mia Gibbs-Francis placed third in the high jump and continued to display prowess in her new event, the 400-meter hurdles, where she placed a respectable 14th against some of the South's best. It was a special Saturday 
over on the tennis courts for a couple of reasons. For one, it was senior day for both the men's and women's tennis program, and it was a time to thank uh, women's seniors Helena Kupi, Claudia Nance Garcia, and Lydia Nance Garcia, as well as men's seniors Amantha Sozelis, Chad Woodham, and Hunter Sanders. For the men's team, um, you know, it was a chance to, if they were to beat Belmont, give a top three seed in the uh, in the OVC. But you know, Belmont was also fighting for a share of the regular season co- uh, regular season title. Um, you had uh, Sanders and Anton Damberg both winning singles, but um, the Bruins kind of came in clutch. There were a couple three-set matches that the Govs just couldn't close that third set at. Um, Azelis played reigning OVC Player of the Year, Hendrik Inno, won the first set but succumbed in three sets. And then uh, Timo Kieslik, um, he won the second set after losing the first and then lost the third again. So if the Govs were able to take two more sets in each of those matches, or a set each in each of those respective matches, then you're looking at a, you know, possibly a huge momentum-building win going into the OVC tournament. Unfortunately, it, you know, did not. Belmont's still a very good team, and it's possible that if the Govs um, make a run, they could see him again. For the women's team, you know, not much more to be said than more domination. They finished the regular season 20-0, and in the conference and defeated Belmont 6-1 as they won their first OVC regular season title since 1989. For the Govs, um, five singles wins were in straight sets. Um, They really have yet to meet a foe, especially a conference foe in 2019 who can match their firepower. Murray State came close a little bit. Or, well, at least a couple matches. Some matches still got smoked. But um, the Govs will be your number one seed going into this weekend's OVC tournament and will get a bye into the semifinals. We have some weekly honors here for a few of our Austin P athletes, starting with uh, Matt Jocelyn, who earned OVC, uh, Tennessee Sports Writers Association, and Collegiate Baseball's weekly honors after a... Um, 667 batting average and two grand slam week. He walked off against last Tuesday's contest against SIU in addition to his myriad of exploits over the weekend. Lydia Garcia has now won 11 straight doubles matches when teaming with her sister Claudia, which is second in program history. Only one behind the active streak of their teammates, which we can mention again, Hanoka Nakanishi and Tatiana Lopez. Just records all over the place. Um... She had singles wins against Murray State last Wednesday and Belmont on Saturday, also winning both doubles matches as well uh, in each of those matches. And currently, going into the OVC Tennis Championships, sits at 99 career singles victories. No Austin P player, male or female, has ever reached the century mark, so it could be a very special day if uh, Lydia is able to, to grab a win. On the links, not a bad little week for Chase Cordy. In addition to his all-tournament honors, he also earned a second straight all-OVC nod as one of the league's premier players. That was handed out last Sunday at the annual postseason awards banquet following round one of the men's golf championships. Teammate Micah Nicely became the third player in Austin P men's golf history to earn Freshman of the Year honors joining Grant Lever and Eric Barnes, two Austin P. Hall of Famers, as the only players to earn that award. So a great start to Nicely's career, and now a lot to live up to as he joins a, a long list of excellent Austin P. golfers to come here through the years. We'll take a break and bring on Haley Turner 
of the women's volleyball and beach volleyball team right after this. Few people have made the most of their opportunities like Haley Turner, who came here kind of as a beach only. Is that correct? You're yes. beach only, yep. and then just sort of parlayed your chances into membership on the indoor volleyball team, uh, and has taken everything she's gotten and run with it. And now she's in here today to listen to me ask dumb questions. <laughs> how are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. Talk a little bit about why you came to Tennessee in the first place. Um, I actually came to Tennessee because I wanted to be out of state. I didn't want to stay at a college that was near home. I wanted to get away. And um, one of my sisters is actually here with her husband. He's stationed at Fort Campbell. So um, when I got an offer from Trebeca, which was the previous school I was at, I was like, this is perfect. Still away from my sister and away from my parents, but in a place that's new and it was cool the fact that I got to travel to different states being here. So how was it that you got wrapped up in Trevecca in the first place because there's a lot of schools between here and Arizona between Trevecca and Arizona. Yeah um, I would say Trevecca offered me the best option and when I went on my visit there um, I liked their education program and the coach was great, and I love the girls. It just seemed like a good fit, and out of the options that I had, I just went with the one farthest away from home. <laughs> <laughs> Talk a little bit about why you came here from Trevecca then. Um, some things happened on the team at Trevecca that just didn't work out for me the best um, and felt the need to leave and still wanted to stay in Tennessee because – I loved it here um, after being here for a year, and I just contacted Coach Mott and, you know, kind of shoot my shot and <laughs> said, hey, would you accept me? And I knew that the indoor program was really good, so I decided to um, try for Beach because I knew that that was an up-and-coming program here and wanted to see if I could make a change in it. Was there any kind of culture? You say you, you fell in love with Tennessee pretty quickly. Was there any kind of initial culture shock coming from Arizona to here? Um, not a lot, but I would say that the language that people use here is a lot different, like their terms. One of my teammates from Trevecca, um, when she said toboggan, the first thing that I thought of was a sled, but it's actually beanie to her. And that was like the weirdest thing to me and, um, nothing too crazy. I actually like love country music. So all the twang and everything I love to hear and. People were really nice compared to out west. So really, <laughs> yes. Well, that's our southern gentility for you. <laughs> um, you have a lot of family here in the area, right? I do. They all decided to move out here with me. <laughs> so you tried to get away. I did. And they all came. Yes. Why? Um, so I had one sister who was here um, with her husband, and then my other sister decided to move out here to see if she wanted to go at school and. 
see if she wanted to come to Austin P and just kind of move away from home also. So then three of us girls were here and then um, my oldest sister got sick. So then my parents decided to come out here and help and then fell in love with Tennessee and didn't want to leave. And then uh, my grandparents decided to move here because all of their grandkids are here. So why not be here also? So you guys have just basically moved the entire family unit. Yes. We're does pulling them here. Does everybody like it as much as you do, or is there are there some people who are like, why couldn't you guys have just stayed in Arizona? Um, I would say that everyone loves it here. Um, there's all obviously pros and cons. Like, the heat is completely different from Arizona. It's like in Arizona, it's 120 degrees, but it's like a dry heat, and here it's 80 degrees, and it suffocates you. Humidity. Yes. So, I mean, there's pros and cons, but we really do love it out here, and we're kind of starting to build our own little family and community here so it's great talk a little bit about your initial response to austin p and how you were accepted coming in here as a transfer by this team of very eccentric characters (laughs) um it actually helped the transition a lot um obviously coming in as a transfer with the freshmen it was hard because i didn't really know anybody being a sophomore and Everyone thought I was a freshman because I was new, so um, it was good. I think the characters, the crazy characters that we have on our team made it easy to get along with everyone and feel comfortable and have a great time, and friendships developed really quickly because of the personalities that everyone had. You started out with beach and then kind of transitioned more into indoor. Mm -hmm. What are the differences in how you go about not just playing but preparing, practicing, training for both of those sports because everybody looks at it as it's volleyball. You hit a ball over a net, if it lands, it's point. If not, get ready to receive it again. But there's so much different about both of them. Yeah, so indoor, I would say um, you have more accountability with other teammates and beach, it's you and your one partner. So there's no subbing, there's no coaching during play. It's put on you when it comes to beach and um if you're not able to just take it back and realize what you're doing and making those adjustments it's going to be hard whereas indoor you can take time and have the coaches coach you during a game or have your teammates lift you up or um make adjustments with your teammates on an indoor side of it whereas beach it's just here it is let's just play and the approach to both games is a little different um with indoor your approach is different when you're trying to attack the ball and when you're in beach it's different and um the contact rules are different whereas indoor you're allowed to have three touches after the block for beach it's the block counts as a touch so you got to get it over and just to prepare going from indoor to beach um cardio is a big (laughs) thing that sand slows you down and people don't realize it (laughs) Talk about the rapport you have to develop with your partner in Beach. Because it seems like you and you were with Jenna for most of, if not all of this year, correct? Yeah, I had a few games with Corey, um, but Jenna was my partner for a majority of the season. What kind of rapport do you have to develop with that partner if you guys are going to be a consistent pairing? And does it take, how, how much time does it take? How many reps do you guys have to have together to really get comfortable with one another? Um, luckily, Jenna and I were partners last year, too, so we kind of knew each other from that. And because of our friendship, we're able to communicate well with one another, like, outside of volleyball. So it 
it took a lot of time the first time we played together and then this year getting back with one another um but just playing as as lame as that sounds you just have to play a lot and kind of find their tendencies because beach is always going to change there you always have to be tricky you always have to be different doing something different and um just a lot of repetition with her and a lot of drills is what really develops us as a team and when we play those higher level teams it just makes us sit back reflect and see what they're doing and make the adjustments that we need to make going from indoor to beach back to indoor how difficult is it to make those and i know you've got months to really go from one to the other but Mm -hmm. just that initial first week or so of practice after you've been in indoor for so long or vice versa how difficult is it to just get back into that mindset and that rhythm um it's really hard going from indoor to beach the ball size is different the um, weight of it's different the way you pass is different and so it's it's hard to jump from one to the other and when you take time off like this summer of not constantly playing it's going to be hard to get the groove back um into coming in indoors so i know that myself and the team has to really prepare this summer in order to be ready before preseason you'll be one of the veterans next year this team has had many different personality quirks over the years how are you and your fellow upperclassmen kind of have you started that conversation of kind of infusing your personalities into the team next year is that something that's saved more for the the start of fall camp yeah um my uh, classmates also have all talked and kind of laid out what we want to accomplish this year and um, we lost important people on the court and so we know that we're going to have to make that up in leadership aspects and just making sure that we're all on the same page so that we can um, make sure that we have the best team possible coming into the fall and that means that we need to as seniors come prepared and come ready to lead the team whether it's by doing or by our words being encouraging um so i feel like because we're on the same page and have the same goal um, it's going to be easy for us to make this transition of this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to do it together is there pressure because of the success that you guys have had as a team over the last couple of years to keep it going where you guys don't want to be the ones who were the leaders when things went wrong Um, I think there is a little pressure, not just for us leaders, but for the team in general, because everyone's looking at us as as having successful two seasons um, and while I was here. And I think it's just important for us to not focus on the outcome of the end, but focusing on each game. Um, I know we have a tough preseason this year, so I think that this is going to um, be a challenge for us. But I think how we respond is definitely going to show how our leadership is displayed rather than our success. Okay. Um, Let's do some rapid fire that have nothing to do. (laughs) Probably nothing to do with volleyball. Okay. What is your favorite word? Man, I wish everybody listening to this could see the look of surprise (laughs) mixed with fear whenever she... My favorite word? Yeah. I say G's a lot. Okay. That's a good one. What's your least favorite word? Moist. Every, every, that's everyone's favorite least favorite word. Like so weird. 
I've heard it so many times now from people <laughs> sitting in that chair saying that it's their least favorite word that it doesn't bother me at all anymore. <laughs> Good. Who or what inspires you? Um, I would say that my oldest sister, Jen, inspires me. She's been through a lot, and just the way that she carries herself and carries her family is really inspiring, and um, that's just how I want to live my life is just to be uplifting to everyone, even if I'm having a tough day. What is the last book you read for fun? For fun? Yeah. Um, swipe right. Somebody, somebody else said something about that book. Give me the synopsis again. Um, it's a faith-based book by Levi Lesko, and it's just talking about your relationships, whether that's with um, a significant other or relationships with your friends what is your worst habit um not using words correctly <laughs> yep when i'm feeling something i don't like to talk so i'm just silent so you compartmentalize you internalize everything yep gotcha wish i'd known that before i was like yeah bring it on the podcast <laughs> this will be fun <laughs> what is the most terrifying situation you've ever found yourself in Oh, gosh. Most terrifying situation. I have no idea. Most terrifying situation? I don't think I can think of one. That's good. That I feel like that is a good yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's... A lot of people are like, oh, man, which one do you want to hear about? No, that's great. I don't, I don't think I've had a terrifying situation. What's your idea of happiness? Uh, my idea of happiness is sitting on the beach, and everything's just quiet and calm, and it's a nice sunny day, and I'm just at ease with everything. That's a good one. What's your idea of misery? Oh, gosh. Um, I would say when people are angry. I don't like dealing with angry people, and it's frustrating because I like to have control over things sometimes, and when people are angry and I, there's nothing I can do about it, that's just miserable to me. I want everybody to be happy. <laughs> what makes you self-conscious? Um, I think silence. When people like have a look on their face but they're not saying anything, or when they're feeling something, it makes me feel like I did something wrong or they're mad or... Oh, so like uncomfortable silences. Yes. Okay. What is the most embarrassing song that you love? Embarrassing song? I don't listen to a wide variety <laughs> of music, so I don't know if I have an embarrassing song. Um, the only song that I listen to is with my nephew, and it's Baby Shark. That's on replay all the time when I'm with him. How old's your nephew? Three. Okay. I've got a one-year-old who loves baby sharks, so that means I've got at least two more years of yeah. this. Yep. Um, <laughs> Unless there's a new song coming out. Fingers crossed. <laughs> How would you prefer to die? Um, probably in my sleep. I don't want to feel anything. If you were reincarnated, what would you like to come back as and why? An elephant. Really? I love elephants. They are my favorite animal, hands down. Really? Why's yes. that? I just think that they are 
silly and goofy and I just love the way they look and I don't know I just think they're so majestic <laughs> <laughs> what might prompt you to lie what might prompt saving somebody else's feelings any yeah. any particular examples um hypothetical example would sure. be um if somebody asked me if I don't even know. This is hard. <laughs> I can't think of I don't even want to say. <laughs> Basically I would in, in in spare of their feelings, if it was something serious, I would I would lie to make them feel better. What makes you hopeful? Um seeing success from others that are in my same position. Like I know that there are a lot of people out there who have to balance a lot of things and sometimes I feel like I'm trying to balance the entire world while being an athlete and um, I think seeing others who are in my same position be successful is what makes me hopeful is that I can do this and there's gonna be an end and we're gonna get through it that if somebody else has done it before that means you can too yes what is our purpose in life purpose in life to love God and love others. Very succinct. So, what are your future goals, ambitions, hopes? What do you want to do after this? Um, I want to be a teacher. I want to be an elementary teacher. Um, and I want to get my master's. So, hopefully, that that will all work out and um, I can graduate. I would like to stay in Tennessee. Um, we need teachers. Yes. And I heard that the governor just raised pay for teachers in the state of Tennessee. Hey, so great job, governor. Another, another plus for me to stay here. <laughs> but definitely want to teach elementary and obviously, like, have a family one day. And Why elementary? Um, I knew that there was not one subject I wanted to teach for the rest of my life. There was not one thing that I was passionate about. And I love working with kids. So I figured that elementary, you have um, a contained classroom and you teach every subject and figured that this would be the best age for me. Good. They'll be lucky to have you as a teacher one day. Well, thank you. Uh, Haley Turner, thanks for coming in and taking a few minutes out of your day. I know you're thanks busy. Sir. A lot of stuff to do at the end of the semester. Appreciate you stopping by. Thank you. He was working through college On my grandpa's farm I was thirsting for knowledge And he had a car Yeah, I was caught somewhere between a woman and a child One restless summer we found love growing Thanks to Haley Turner for taking a few minutes out of her study day to come in here and talk to me. With exams on deck, and this is a reminder to please study if you're an Austin Peay student-athlete or an Austin Peay student. Regular season play is winding down across all sports here at the P. And this starts, the week starts with women's tennis and men's tennis in the OVC championships. For the women's tennis team, the Govs do not know who they will play yet and put their 20-0 record on the line against in the OVC championship semifinals at 10 a.m. on Saturday. However, the two teams that are, I guess, going to vie for that, was, you know, I said vie for that opportunity, but I was going to, you know, 
maybe a little more ominous for Belmont and SEMO if they're able to win and then come against the Austin P Governor's women's tennis team, now the only undefeated women's tennis team in NCAA Division One. Um, this is almost like yeah. the uh, this is almost like going to Dayton to play the play-in game as a, yeah. as a 16 seed to yeah. then go get trounced by Duke yeah. or somebody. And barring a disaster, you know, the Gov's opponent isn't going going to matter. Belmont did not put up really that much of a fight at all. They took one singles match. SEMO um, was they again kind of had the same sort of thing. They, they, they were, were swept, weren't they? I think they were swept. It was yeah. either six one or seven zero. Yeah. Um, so, so close. Yeah. Close is yeah. what you're saying. Um, the er, the Red Hawks offered a little more resistance to the start in doubles and then got off to a decent start in the first sets, but other than that, there was no real danger for the Governors in dropping either of those matches. For the men's tennis team, they um, will try to march to a title, but it'll start a day earlier for them. They uh, take on the fifth seed Eastern Illinois Panthers, 2 p.m. on Friday, and the winner of that uh, match will face top-seeded Tennessee Tech on Saturday. The Govs uh, swept EIU 13 days ago, um, 4-0. That was their first shutout win over the Panthers since 2012. They have not lost the Panthers since 2009, and that's to the tune of 11 straight matches, which is the longest winning streak for a um, longest winning streak against an opponent for the Govs besides Tennessee State. And, and some, uh, that almost doesn't <laughs> count. <laughs> um, interesting note for EIU: that match with they lost to the Govs is actually the last time they played. So they uh, they're going to be coming in to this game or this sorry this match on uh, Friday, which is tomorrow. Um, well rested, yeah, or rusty, yeah. For the better part of two weeks now, not played. Um, they do boast Freddie O'Brien, one of the top players in the OVC. Him and Almantas Ozelis were deadlocked at 6-6 in the first set, but it didn't really matter because they played to clinch, and the Govs had already swept three other in three other matches pretty easily in straight sets. Um, O'Brien and his partner Logan Charbonneau or Charbonne, I don't know how you pronounce his name. They are 15-2 in doubles, you, including a. You are a resident foreign person name pronouncer guy, so if you don't well, know, he's, it, we're I, not going to well, know. Well, the, the he's he's American. So what? Yeah, Logan. Oh, the the first name's Logan. I mean, I was gonna guess French. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be some French origin in there. But anyway, they are thirteen to zero at the number three double spot this season, including a win over the Govs um, in that match uh, two weeks ago. So it looks t- hopefully to be a promising weekend for both tennis teams. The baseball team welcomes SIU Edwardsville to Raymond Seaham Park this weekend for a crucial three-game set. At 8 and 10 in the league, the Cougars are well down in the standings from the Govs, but Ossipi hasn't defeated SIUE at home since 2015. However, the Govs should be able to feast on a feeble Cougar pitching staff. SIUE has posted a 6.29 team ERA and issued 208 walks, second most in the OVC this year. However, having said all that, Murray State has a staff ERA of 6.22, and the Governors scored five runs in three games against the Racers. Last year, Parker Phillips homered in each of the first two games against the Cougars. He sits at 45 career home runs entering this weekend. 
And for the final time in 2019, the Govs softball team will play at their new refurbished home welcoming in Moorhead State and Eastern Kentucky this weekend. The Govs have won four in a row against the Eagles, but have not taken a season series against the Colonels since 2012. Last year, the Govs took three of four on the road against these squads, with Rackle going the distance in the opener against Moorhead State, and also Rackle and Daniel, Learm Daniel Learman homering in Game 2 of both series against each team. EKU is hitting 300 as a team, so the Austin P staff against the Colonel hitting lineup will be an interesting matchup to watch as they progress through the weekend. Uh, track and field program will make what's become an annual trek to the Bluff City for the Memphis Tiger Invitational this weekend. The 100 meter was good to the Govs here last year with my Perry Grimes, Sabrina Richmond, and Memphis native Alicia Scott in the top 10. With Scott gone, it'll be time for another 100 meter runner to step up in her place. And there are myriad options for the governors on that front, including Timothea Tolbert and Kyra Wilder, the latter of whom has quickly become one of the most promising young runners in the Ohio Valley Conference. And just because the SPs are Thursday, a.k.a. today, a.k.a. probably yesterday by the time you're hearing this. Hey, this will post before the SPs come on. Or come on. Yeah. Excuse me. Yes, we're simulcasting yeah. this. <laughs> um, nobody is counting out your community service hours anymore. So that doesn't mean you can't benefit the community and help folks out. Go see Haley Jacoby. We have our you know normal stops of Mana Cafe, Buddy Balbert Elementary. Plenty of opportunities there as well. So once again, go see Haley Jacoby if you want to go help out the Austin P and Clarksville community. With the semester coming to a close, a reminder for our student-athletes that books are due back to the Academic Services Department before you depart for the summer. Please don't make Haley and Katie and Combs come search for you to hunt down books. They have plenty enough to be doing here at the end of the year. Get in touch and stay in touch with us via the web and social media. I'm going to just let Dylan put it on autopilot and say the exact same thing he says every week because nothing has changed. At Let's Go P. <laughs> find, go find us at Let's Go P. Com. Um, We have Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Let's Go P. Uh, you can follow every single athletic team, <coughs> athletic team we have here at Austin P at their respective uh, Twitter handles as well. We have Taylor Wiseman and Tyler Davis getting out some great content as championship season approaches for the bulk of our spring sports. Let's go P.com for dates, news, and stories. Dylan, Cody Bush, Stefan L.A., and myself keeping you up to date on all the goings-on around Austin P. and the athletics department. With baseball and softball season winding down, um, you know, it's there's not been a better opportunity to go out and see the Govs and get their support as they, as both teams make their charges towards um, the conference championships uh, later on in the year. And as we all know now, the ticket gurus are Katie Locke and Cindy Hooper. And by now, you should also know they love visitors. So especially when we don't have a lot of home events, go pop into the Dunn Center and just make some friendly conversation with them as they try to do their jobs. <laughs> Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or directly on the website at letsgop.com slash podcast. Give us a rating and review on the podcast. Five stars, five stars. And if you'd like to suggest a guest, let us know of a local or on-campus event we should shout out. Compliment us on our work and thereby stoke our vanity to heights heretofore unseen. Tweet at us. I'm at CWilson225. He's at Dylan Schwartz. D-Y-L-A-N-S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z. All one word. Love yourself, love each other, talk to you next week, goodbye.